Nice, uh, a nice chariot to hide behind here. That's a good thing. I, I, I do have a question, uh, Brother Steve. I, I'm wondering why the area around here has this thick padding. It's the most padded place up here. It's kind of. That's the trap door. Okay. Very good. Very good. Very good. Well, it's good to be with you. Um, thank you for the for the opportunity to share um, for these next few weeks. We've looked forward to it, and uh, we're just going to ask God to God to bless our time together. On these upcoming Sundays, I would like to share with you a sermon series on the subject, A Season of Hope. A Season of Hope. The Christmas season is about many things. It's about remembering. It's about celebration with family and friends. It's about the light that came into the world. It's about something that people really need. Hope hope. There will be four sub-themes under this banner of a season of hope. Today's message will be on the subject of finding hope. The second Sunday, December 18th, we will explore the theme of forgotten hope. On the third Sunday, September 25th, on Christmas Day, we will focus on fulfilled hope. And the fourth Sunday in the series on New Year's Day, we will celebrate future hope. It's our prayer that you will be encouraged and that your hope in the Savior will be renewed. Somebody say hope. Our text today comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2. Follow along with me if you would. The the scripture will be on the screen, and I will be reading from the NIV, which is my habit. You will hear me read from the New, Ash New International Version as I preach this series. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him when Herod the king heard this he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall become a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. 
When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. You remember? Gold frankincense and myrrh then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed for their own country another way may the Lord bless the reading of his word to our thoughts to our memory and to our consideration this morning Mankind is always desiring and seeking hope. Can I say that again? Mankind is always desiring and seeking hope. I believe there is an inherent longing in the heart of humans to look forward in time to better things. To happier days and improved circumstances. In the worst of life circumstances people still look for hope. They look for signs of a positive outcome. People, people seek hope for others. They seek hope for their friends and their family members when there is despair and struggle. There seems to be an innate sense of, of there being something better out there. Something that gives hope to mankind. We should define this word hope. Hope is a noun in some contexts. It is a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen. It also functions as a verb in some contexts to want something to happen or, or come to be the case is what Webster's tells us. The very nature of people is to try to find a reason to look forward. We, we try to look forward to days to come of, of health and the love of friends and family and, and protection and, and provision. We try to peer into the future to see what's in store. We seek and listen to all kinds of advisors so that we can look ahead with a sense of positive things to come. It's in our very nature. Through the centuries, people have turned to all kinds of methods to try to determine what the future is going to look like. One of the reasons that the nation of Israel was a nation of hopeful people was because of God's promises. They heard and taught the word of a faithful God. They believed that word and, and, and so there was a future in what they saw as positive with the help of their God. The most significant aspect of their hopeful thinking was God's promise of a Messiah. There are many examples in the Old Testament of the promise of this Messiah who would come to save 
his people from their sins. The Isaiah 53 passage is one of them. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire of him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes. Do you remember this? By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What a promise from the words of the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Messiah came. Throughout the history of God's people Israel, they had learned to look to God for their hope. Although stubborn, the Bible calls them stiff-necked, time and time again God's children saw Him come through for them. Amen? Amen. I like to say this. God is going to do what God says He is going to do. Say that with me. God is going to do what God says He is going to do. His very nature is faithfulness. And His Word always comes to pass. Our Matthew 2 passage starts out by telling us that there were wise men from the East who had traveled under the guidance of a star to seek a new king who had been born. Something special had happened. And these men wanted to be a part of it. So who were these wise men from the east? Scholars say that the Magi were probably Persian or Arabian astrologers who charted the stars and attached religious significance to their movements. It appears that they were not kings or rulers, as is sometimes supposed. While some have doubted the historic validity of this visit, it does bear the marks of credibility. Many people in the ancient world believed that stars announced the birth of great people. The Roman historian Suetonius and Tacitus even speak of an expectation that a world ruler would come from Judea. It is not surprising that Eastern astrologers, Eastern wise men, would see in a particular astral phenomenon the sign of the birth of a Jewish king. The star they saw was a sign from God designed to alert these Gentiles 
to an event in Bethlehem that was intended for them as well. Researchers have discovered tablets in Persia dating from Jesus' day. Those tablets predicted that a great king would be born in the West and that justice, righteousness, and peace and joy would mark his reign. They even had a name for him. They called him Sosiosh. These men were astronomers who searched the sky for signs that would guide them. God provided the ultimate sign, a supernatural star that would lead them to the baby who would bring hope to the world. Because they were Gentiles and pagans, we might not have invited them to participate in the birth of Jesus. But God responded to their hunger for truth. He still responds to spiritual hunger, my friend. One of my favorite bumper stickers is, Wise men still seek him. The account of the three men coming to find the Christ child is remarkable in many ways, and it is an illustration of man's quest for hope. Let's unpack this passage and see what God has to say. First, hope comes from the knowledge of what God has said. Hope comes from the knowledge of what God has said. It is strongly indicated here that the visitors from east knew that this was a special birth. Verse 2 indicates that they said they knew he was to be what? The king of the Jews. This child was indeed a special birth. He is indeed destined to be the king of the Jews. The one who would save the people from their sins. It is significant that these wise men describe the Christ child as being Jewish. It is widely known that through the centuries, the other people groups and kingdoms around the world were aware of the Jews, God's chosen people. Think about that. Other people groups, other, other nations of the world, they, they knew about the Jews, God's chosen people. They had heard the stories of the slavery in Egypt, of the parting of the, of the sea, of the, of the manna in the wilderness, of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They had heard of Moses and Joshua and Jacob. They had heard accounts of how the God of the Jews had done miraculous things and brought great victories. And so this was no normal birth. Is it possible? Is it possible that these three learned astrologers had gotten wind of what the, uh, what the prophets had said all through those years? Is it possible that the word of a Messiah to come had reached the ears of people and leaders in cultures and people groups other than the Jews? I believe it was possible. The other statement in verse 2 that is very significant is that they had come to worship him. They had come to worship him. If this was a political king 
that was being born, would these visitors have come all this way for the purpose of worship? They, they came to worship him. This was no ordinary birth. The, the king of kings, the one who would save the people from their sins, was and is worthy of worship. And indeed it says that when they found the child, they fell on their faces and they worshipped him. Worship is always the appropriate response to the work of God in our lives. I think that's pretty good stuff. Worship, praise, thanksgiving is always the appropriate response to what we see God do in our lives. We see God move and we worship. We see God deliver and we worship. We, we see God save and we worship. We see God heal and we give Him praise and thanks. Worship by its very definition is our response to God for who He is and what He has done. I'm going to say that again. Worship by its very definition is our response to God for who He is and what He has done. Think about that the next time you sing a praise song. See, I'm a praise and worship guy. I've been leading worship, I don't know, Rhonda, 25 years now. And uh, we, we spent a number of years at Spring Church in Forest Park. They're going to tear down Forest Fair Mall, by the way. That's new. <laughs> Day Springs a church you see right across from them. And uh, I have watched as people have expressed their adoration to God because they are grateful people. Because they are people who have been touched by the Savior. <laughs> there's, a, there's a wonderful lady in our congregation, Alice Burrell. Alice is a matriarch of the Dayspring congregation. Has a couple of boys, and they all have a couple of boys. And uh, on one of those Sundays when the church was a little slow to wake up, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you're, and you're trying to lead worship. You're, you're, you're trying to... We used to call it stirring concrete. <laughs> but I could cue on Alice Burrell because she was three rows back just to my right as a worship leader. Alice's love for the Lord and her absolute attitude of thanks and grateful heart for the Lord always shines through. And I could just look at Alice in the eye, Ron, and I could and I could see that joyful heart of love for the Lord. You see, worship is our response to what God has done in our lives. I want you to think about that the next time you sing a praise song. Come and worship. 
We are invited to the manger scene. We are invited to worship the newborn king as were the wise men. Secondly, hope spurs the believer to act. Hope spurs the believer to act. True, optimistic, positive, assured hope brings folks to a point of action. Say action. Verse 1 and 2 tell us that the Magi came because they had seen the star. What they saw and what they knew to be true from the prophecies inspired them to act. I suspect that these guys were living a pretty comfortable life, my friends. They likely had big overstuffed pillows that you see in the movies that they reclined on. Their, their homes were likely above and beyond what the normal peasants had with the beautiful torches providing light and they had servants and hot tubs. Come on, that was pretty good. They probably had a pretty comfortable life. And, and traveling, it says from a far distance, was not easy in that day and time. This was not a vacation type road trip. How many of you love vacation road trips? Oh yeah, oh yeah, there's nothing like a good vacation road trip. But they apparently desired something more. Something impactful. Something significant. Something that would change the world. And, and when they saw the sign of it, the star, they acted. They, they acted because of something that they hoped, say hoped, hoped would happen in the future. They took action. You see, hope spurs action. Action that looks to the future. Action and movement that takes us from where we are, our current situation, and moves us to the place where we can encounter the living God. I'm going to say that again. Action and movement takes us from where we are, our current situation, our current circumstance, our current stuck in the mud, and moves us to a place where we can encounter the living God. Faith and hope are not about sitting still, just waiting for something good to happen. We must position ourselves as God calls. We must get to Him. Not going to go down the rabbit trail that just came into my mind. Preachers go on rabbit trails. Somebody said, how, how long will the service last? I said, it depends on how many rabbit trails I avoid. <laughs> I think of the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus knew that if he just sat in the wings, that if he was just part of the crowd, 
that his chances of encountering Jesus were minimal, if at all. Zacchaeus was a... (laughs) Zacchaeus did the unthinkable thing of climbing a tree to get the attention to the master. Zacchaeus saw hope and he acted. And he headed up the tree. The action of movement that Zacchaeus took positioned him to have his moment with Jesus. I submit to you, if you sit around, you're not going to encounter him. I like, I, like, I like having this to hide behind, brother. Because of his intense desire to be with Jesus, Zacchaeus climbed the tree. The action of movement positioned him to have his moment with Jesus. See, the, the magi, the wise men, took the effort... They didn't climb a tree. What'd they do? They traveled to Bethlehem to have their promised encounter with the newborn king. They set it all aside. Many of you seen any of the episodes of The Chosen? One of the things that, that comes out in this dramatization of the life of Jesus is that his followers left everything behind. They said, you know what? Whatever's in the past, whatever's in the past, stays in the past. I'm going to follow the master. Now imagine with me for a moment what the three wise men left. I, I don't think they had a lot of pre-planning. I don't think they got online and made an Airbnb reservation in, in Bethlehem a couple of months in advance. What did they do? They saw the star and they moved. They, they, they heard God's voice and they acted. They, they saw the sign and it was a green light and it said what? Go. Gentiles, astrologers. What actions should you take because of the hope that has been planted in your life? What gift should you give? What what work should you do? Who Who should you try to come alongside of because of what God has spoken in your life? He's given you the green light. Go. Thirdly, the quest for hope frequently encounters obstacles. Hello. I'm sorry to have to go here. Unfortunately, when we act on 
hopes and dreams, we encounter obstacles, don't we? We, we encounter resistance and we encounter problems. Not everyone around us catches the vision. I said, not everyone around us catches the vision. And in this case, the opposition had evil plans to squash hope. King Herod was pretty disturbed to hear that these visitors believed that a new king was coming to town. It was his intent to use the Magi to be the scouts who would find the location of the newly born king and then he could destroy him. We, we see the evil in him who had the male children killed later in this story. I think we can expect resistance when future hope is involved. I said... I think we can expect resistance when future hope is involved. I, I think that we can anticipate that things will not always go smoothly when we are looking for a breakthrough. When, when the king of our hope is on the horizon, I think we should not have been surprised when a 2020 occurred but be certain of this when the hope that you are looking to that you have your sights set on is breathed of God it will come to pass God's promises are true and he is completely and ever faithful and he is completely and ever merciful and he will bring it to pass despite the bumps in the road I think of another character in the New Testament the Canaanite woman do you remember her she was following Jesus and the disciples crying, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering greatly. She persistently, over and over and over again, continued to cry out to Jesus. And her obstacle, believe it or not, were the disciples. They said to Jesus, send her away. She is bothering us. She's loud and obnoxious. We don't have time for you. And certainly you, Master, don't have time for her. Jesus answered. Listen to Jesus' answer. It's full of compassion. He says to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. You see, despite the obstacle, this Gentile woman knew and had faith and hope that Jesus could and would meet her need. And so what did she do? Did she sit around in the background? Did she find a park bench so that she could walk, watch the parade go by? She didn't even climb a tree like Zacchaeus. She shouted out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
I need your help. And she, and she kept at it until she broke through. You see, finding hope takes that action. And it, and it many times pushes through the obstacles. I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I have a vivid imagination. I think the Canaanite woman had great elbows. Because I think she elbowed her way through the disciples to get to Jesus. Our God will never fail. He will bring it to fulfillment. Fourthly, when hope is found, joy and worship occur. When hope is found, joy and worship occur. The Magi followed the star to the place where they found the child with his mother Mary. It says that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they came to the place and saw the Christ child, they bowed down and worshipped him. There's a whole sermon right here on worship. But I want to simply point out that when hope becomes reality, when faith becomes sight, when promise becomes fact, there is an ordered response and it is praise and worship. Praise and worship is not some exercise we go through on Sunday as a church just to just to feel good about ourselves and enjoy some good music. Praise and worship is our response to God fulfilling what God said He was going to do. Amen. The description is overjoyed when they saw the star. <laughs> I think rejoicing is part of the life of the person who seeks God. If you are seeking to be guided by God's presence, by the Holy Spirit within you, there will be an innate joy that surfaces in your life. Old grumpy pants has no place in the life of the true seeker. Amen. It's not a giddy childish joy that I'm talking about. Rather, it is a confident, heartfelt sense that you are on the right track. And despite the obstacles that occur, I believe that there will be encouragement along the way, despite the obstacles that occur. We talked about the obstacles, we didn't. But I'm telling you, during those obstacles, look for those encouraging things. Someone will come alongside of you. Someone will unexpectedly give a gift. Someone will speak a word. Keep following the star, my friend. Keep following the pillar of cloud. Keep following after what God has spoken into your life. There is true hope awaiting. I said earlier in the message, can you say the same thing too many times in one message? God is going to do what God says He's going to do. When they got to the place, when they arrived, they saw what their eyes had longed 
to see, and their response was worship. It says they bowed down in worship. Again, worship is acknowledging what God has done. It is proclaiming His mercy and His love. It's thanking Him for His faithfulness despite trials and discouragement and opposition. When a rival happens, worship is the response. One side note here. It says that they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. So they headed home. You remember what it says? Another way. This may be a little stretch, but I'm the preacher today and I'm going to take a little artistic license. When you've encountered the Christ, you will forever be changed and you will walk another way. You will walk in a different manner. Old things will pass away and, and all things will become what? Will become new. There will be things in your path that have never been there before. You see, Christ's presence in your life will make all the difference. Do you know someone, let me ask you, do you know someone who the joy of the Lord just bubbles out of them no matter what their circumstance? I love folks like that. Are you stuck in the old things? Discouraged and frustrated with life? Are you sitting around waiting for something good to happen? Are you, are you feeling hopeless and in despair? We all go through it, folks. Search for hope, my friend. Jesus said, knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Call upon him and he will answer. I think the last couple of years have been rough. Huh? When you take people that are used to being in, in gatherings and in groups and you begin to separate them out, I think it has its effect. You can't see someone smile through a mask think it has its effect and I'm not speaking in any way shape or form down the political path here I'm just saying when an entire society really an entire world struggles at that deep level hundreds of millions of people's lives are knocked down a notch. I know of some folks who haven't yet ventured out. It's been rough. But when you've encountered the Christ, when you've when you've moved into his presence in your life, 
he is with you through all of these things. And, and I want to say that his pattern is to take us through. It's to take us through. How you doing? All you who are carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you what? It's not me who's saying this. These words are straight from the mouth of the Christ child. In these unique times of pandemic and social distancing and shutdowns, we have the opportunity to refocus our hope. To re-energize our faith. To, to travel to where the Savior is and to encounter His love. So despite the obstacles, despite the struggle, despite the pain and society's pain, you can still take steps toward the Father. Don't miss out. One of the characteristics of that person whose joy constantly bubbles out is making lemonade out of lemons. I love that phrase, partly because I love lemonade. To take a negative circumstance and to confidently move forward in Jesus, that's what the Christian life is all about. Because, because your trust, your hope, doesn't end up being in things that will perish. Do you remember what he said? He said, consider the, consider the sparrow. Consider the lilies of the field. They, they just go day to day. And what's God do? He takes care of them. As we have now seemingly passed through a lot of this whole pandemic thing although I told somebody earlier everybody I know has gotten sick recently I think God's people have the opportunity say opportunity, opportunity. have the opportunity to show his light to a world that probably has forgotten that there is even light but but it takes not sitting around waiting for something good to happen. It takes moving forward to what God has called us to do. So I ask you again, what has God spoken into your life to show light to those around you, to show light to your family, to your co-workers, to your neighbor? I think God wants to use the church, the body of Christ, in ways that never have surfaced before. I'm going to share with you something about the current ministry that Ron and I are involved in. Say out of the box. Oh, Lord. We sold our church and we're going to open a coffee shop. Congratulations. Be 
because we believe that opportunities to connect with people have to happen in the, in the marketplace. And so there will be a fully functioning coffee shop business and a gathering place in that facility for our church on Sundays and a gathering place for the community during the week. And that is our pastor's vision. And I got to tell you, it took me a while to get on board. Partly because I'm a praise and worship guy. And I think church is okay. But, but there's this passion in, in our pastor's life to put the old things aside and to step into something new that will impact more people. And although I'm not sure I would have done the coffee thing, I do appreciate and love his passion and vision, and he and I have become dear friends. So we are right now in a temporary church facility that uh, their home church worships in the morning, and we worship at 1.30. And a side light is that when I'm done preaching here and our service is over, we scram out of here pretty quick because I'm going from here to there. <laughs> so I'm not being unsociable. I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm functioning in, in, in both of these places for these couple of weeks. I want us to come away from these four weeks with our hope renewed. With our hope renewed. Because I think some of us the hope level, the hope factor has been knocked down a notch through all that we've been through. Amen. Pray with me. Father, you are the author of true hope. May you remind us daily, Lord, that our hope is totally and completely in you. Will you remind us daily, Lord, that despite the circumstance, you are alongside us. Will you help us, God, to take the steps to position ourselves to see your hope in us fulfilled? In Christ's name, amen.